Welcome to Heritage at Home, a mini-podcast from Heritage Christian Fellowship designed to bring you encouragement and keep us connected during these unprecedented times. Hello, hello. My name is Jared Powell, and I'm one of the pastors on staff at Heritage Christian Fellowship. This is the fourth and final episode of a mini-series called Theolo What? If you have not checked out episodes one through three, you should. It will give a lot of context for all we do today. All three combined are like 25 minutes long, and if you listen to them at 1.5 speed, you'll uh, be back in like 18 minutes. All right, you ready to rumble? We have talked a lot about what theology is, why it is important, and some fundamentals for how we should go about doing theology. Today, it's game time. We've finished driver's ed, and it's time to take the car out for a spin. Literally, there are thousands, if not millions, if not infinite aspects and topics to cover because God is eternal. He is infinite and has no beginning or end. So we can just keep enjoying Him and connecting with Him for eternity. But for today, our topic is the Trinity. The Trinity is extremely important for every thoughtful Christian to think about and explore and chat with their friends about because it is one of the fundamental tenets of what we should call Orthodox Christianity. If you ever speak with a Jehovah's Witness or a member of the Latter-day Saints faith, uh, they can sound very quote-unquote Christian, but the Trinity is a clear dividing line. Same with the Jewish faith and and Islam or any other New Age belief. So let's dive in. I'm going to follow the pattern I suggested in episode 3. You don't have to go in this order when you do theology, but we will for the consistency. Here's the game plan. We're going to look at a little bit of what the Bible says about the Trinity. Then we'll pause and we'll uh, talk about how we should pray in and with the Trinity. I'll suggest a couple sermons and then some books and then a few things that uh, you should talk about and maybe some questions when you discuss the Trinity with people that you love or just strangers and uh, or with your friends or with your small group or when you're sitting next to someone on an airplane. I mean, whatever, but just talk about it. So you ready? Grab your Bibles. And here we go. What's interesting about our Bibles is that the Trinity is all over it, and yet the Word isn't in it. The word Trinity is not there, but we believe it. And that's because throughout church history, the concept developed, and as scholars studied the Bible, they saw it throughout the pages, and and it was something they were experiencing in the life of Christian practice. There are a few things that go into it. Uh, So let me oversimplify some of the things from the Bible uh, about the Trinity, and then let me point out a a few passages. The greatest gift of Jewish people to the world was the idea of monotheism. The Shema from Deuteronomy 6 declares that there is one God. If there is one God and Jesus claimed to be God, through his actions and explanations to his followers— 
then Jesus is God too. But Jesus also explained that he was the Son of the Father. Jesus promises his Spirit and puts his Spirit on par with him, making the Spirit God as well, which we see confirmed through the Spirit's actions. Confused yet? Remember, just the concept of an infinite being we would call God is beyond what our brains can fully comprehend. So we will have some challenges with the idea of the Trinity. How can one God have some kind of threeness? Is he a shapeshifter? Is he really three beings that come together to form a super being, like how like the Power Rangers morph together? No, he is both. He is one God, three persons. This is what's called a paradox, two things that seem mutually exclusive and yet are true. Yes, theology can be tough, but before you jump ship, stay with me. Turn to Genesis 1. Right before the be- or right from the beginning, we see something. We see that God is creator. We see that God has a spirit, and we see that God speaks. Right from the very beginning, there's something more complex than just God. Now, turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In the beginning, John tells us that the Word was actually God. In fact, it was actually Jesus. John wants his readers to see the connection that God and Jesus are one, which is super important, especially when we get to John chapter 14, 15, and 16. And if you look at John 14, verse 16, you read this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The word another there is key. You see, there are two words in Greek for another. There is uh, another of a different kind, heteros, where we get the term heterosexual, and there is another of the same kind, alos. I'm probably butchering the pronunciations. I'm not a Greek expert, but take my word for it. Guess which word is used here? It's the alos one. It's another of the same kind. The Holy Spirit, the advocate, is another Jesus. If if the Holy Spirit was different than Jesus, they had a different word to use that to, to describe that, but they don't. John wants us to understand that they are the same. I could go on, but if you just look throughout your Bibles, you'll see like that the Spirit works throughout Acts, the Spirit works in, in King David's life, um, you'll see Theophanies of the Old Testament, like when Jacob wrestles somebody and when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in the fire, but you see somebody else with them. I mean, you'll just see it all over. Look at Jesus' baptism in any of the Gospels. You will see the Trinity interacting in love, affirming one another. One more. When you read the Great Commission, Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is one name. 
like I guess in 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 its original language, it, it's saying Father, Son, Holy Spirit, singular. Only for our English translations, we doesn't it wouldn't make sense, so we add commas in the ands. But it's one. You see, the my point is that the Bible is dripping with the Trinity, and the more you read and study it, the more it will jump out to you. What the Bible repeats, the Bible screams. Next, for doing good theology, we should be in prayer. The the Trinity is essential for understanding how prayer works, and prayer is essential for understanding the Trinity. We're instructed to pray to the Father in Jesus' name with the help of the Holy Spirit. When we pray, we are literally diving into the Trinity. We're experiencing it. We're being drawn into the loving relationship. We're experiencing it in practice. You can pray to the Father. You can pray to Jesus. You can pray to the Holy Spirit. You can pray to all three. You can pray just to God. All the same. You know, the more you do this, the more your theology is shaped by your behavior and you begin to experience the unity of each person. Praying will help you engage in the Trinity and understanding the Trinity will help you engage in prayer. Again, the Trinity is complicated, but there are some wonderful sermons that can help us grow in our understanding. If you just went to YouTube and typed in Sermon on Trinity, there are gazillions of videos. The first one that came up for me was a video from R.C. Sproul. He's a G. That one might be worth checking out. And if you want to watch a super nerdy presentation and get a real taste of what like professional theologians do, which is hang out and share homework. I mean, they literally read papers. I suggest watching a presentation titled Trinity Doctrine, Plain and Simple from a Fuller Theological Seminary event, and it was given by Thomas McCall. There's just so much out there. So be the wise cow, eat the cud, spit the sticks. What's interesting is that many preachers mention the Trinity, but it isn't explicitly taught too often. And let's be honest, we can understand this because it isn't easy, Uh, but it is simple. It has some simplicity to it. So yeah, explore. Let's move on to a few books I recommend. If you read and study and you're interested in theology, it would be worth your time to invest in a systematic theology book. There's this guy, Gruden, whose book is uh, super popular. A lot of of students and college students use it. I am partial personally to Millard Erickson's Christian Theology. A systematic theology book is uh, kind of works like a dictionary. You can look up a variety of topics and get a pretty well-rounded and semi-brief and yet thorough explanation of a variety of topics. One book I found when I was looking around for info on the Trinity was a book called God for Us, The Trinity and Christian Life by Catherine Mowry. Lacuna, I think is how her last name is pronounced. Um, she uh, was a teacher at Notre Dame, and she is described in one bio that I read as a feminist and Catholic who loves to help people better understand the Trinity. I think it might be worth checking out. 
Uh, remember from an earlier episode that I encouraged you to read and listen to people that you may not agree with. It's going to challenge you. Pick it up and don't be afraid because you're a wise cow. Any books on the divinity of Christ and the divinity of the Holy Spirit will also be helpful in better understanding the Trinity. Have you ever read C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity? You should. How about Francis Chan's book, The Forgotten God? Super impactful. Both are classics and must-reads. For one of the best explanations of God and the Trinity that I've seen, you have to go to thebibleproject.com. And in their theme series, there's a video titled God. It's excellent. Please take the time. Eight minutes. Worth it. If your interest gets piqued through all this as you read and learn and you, you want more, find someone with access to a college library. Drive up to Biola and La Mirada and look at all the incredible books that they have on the subject. There's so much there and there's way more than you can fill in your quarantine time. So let's move on to our last fundamental. Discussing things with people. You have to process out loud with people. The life of following Jesus is predicated on doing it in community. So talk to people, ask questions, do a book study together, ask qualifying questions, go to, uh, go to someone you think is ahead of you in the journey, share with someone that you're, uh, that, that, that you're learning some things and, and share with them what challenges you. Carve out time with your spouse, with the people in your small group, or just post something to your social media outlets and watch the sparks fly. I mean, there's really no wrong way to discuss things with people. Just don't be a jerk. Don't think you have everything figured out and speak to people with respect and humility. Something I've failed with numerous times. Here are maybe some questions that you can bring to the discussion. Um, Maybe you could ask something like, how do you understand God? Um, How about what does the Trinity mean to you and what does it mean to the Christian faith? How would you describe the Trinity to someone? Uh, Do you find analogies of the Trinity like water and an egg Uh, as good representations of the Trinity and helpful for better understanding God? Or are they just straight heresy and should be avoided? I was in a, a theology class in seminary and there was a heated debate on this topic and there are some very thoughtful Christians that land on both sides. Me personally, I think they're heresy. I would rather embrace the mystery of God because God is not like water. Yes, there are three forms, but they're not forms. They're three persons. And God is not a shapeshifter. Water isn't steam, liquid, and ice all at the same time. You know, same goes for an egg. An egg is a shell, a yolk, a white. But that is a compound. The shell is not the egg, just part of it, you know, and, and so on. So, but that's, that's my opinion. Again, Many thoughtful Christians are landing in different places. I read an analogy that I thought was interesting and uh, trying to describe the Trinity, and it involved love. It said that love has a lover, 
it has a a loved an object of the of the lover and the actual love between them it needs all three for there to be love and yet all three are different and that is why discussing the trinity is is so important it's why it has to be true in my opinion because if god was just one and then god creates his son or just morphs in and out of being the the holy spirit then at god's core essence he could not be love which is what the bible declares how could god be love if he is not in relationship with himself what would that make god are we having fun yet my hope and prayer is that you've enjoyed this little series. I, I hope you feel less intimidated about theology and that you realize that it's important. And as and, and I hope that you also realize that, that you can and should engage in the practice. There is so much excitement and opportunity for growth if we embrace and try to do theology. You're doing it whether you like it or not, so be thoughtful. Study things about God's nature. Study things about God's commands. You know, how about doing a a search about the theology of peace and war? You know, study God's revelation. I mean, there's just so many valuable topics. And study the Trinity because it sets our God apart. It isn't easy, but it is worth it. I'll leave you with this quote that I read about the Trinity. Try to explain it and you'll lose your mind. Try to deny it, and you'll lose your soul. Till next time, may the mystery of the Trinity inspire you. May the perfect love of the Trinity flow through you, and may you find yourself in deeper and deeper connection with the triune God. Peace. Thank you for listening. For more information, go to heritagesc.org.